again. This is Ken Redcord with uh, Mining Biblical Truth. It's great to be back with you. Uh, and let's jump right into uh, our next segment in the Biblical Critical Theory uh, series, uh, which uh, is Chapter 8, titled Babel. And our first topic is Babel, Judgment, and Pride. Uh, as in the story of the fall, uh, the problem with Babel is really all about autonomy. And like the flood, it involves a judgment. Clues that the goal of Babel is not to create a stable society that honors the creator. I thought this was very interesting points by Wyken. Uh One, they, they build in order to not be scattered as commanded by uh, the Lord. They seek to make a name that is to have authority over themselves and others. They build a tower either as a man-made way to induce God to come down or for man to gain heaven by his own means. And fourth, it is neither humanitarian nor philanthropic, not seeking the common good, but rather domination over others and even over God himself, or at least becoming equal with God. And then he gets into the the let us parallels uh, in the Bible. Uh, the first was let us, referring to Elohim, to God, create man in our image. Elohim being uh, the plural term for God. Um, and then let us, uh, mankind, and Babel make a name. And then let us, Elohim, go down and confuse their language. <laughs> God's actions are not vindictive, but protective. He limits their ability to seek glory on their own, which limits the evils of some humans dominating others. My take is this reminds me of the old business adage to not seek rapid promotions because ultimately you will find yourself in a position of incompetence and then you'll fail and get fired. Uh, the problem here is not the building itself, but the desires of the hearts of the builders. God's grace. God does not destroy the people like in the flood. God leaves the tower as a symbol. As it crumbles, as depicted here by this uh, uh, artist, uh, it is a sign of man's folly in seeking domination. This is why Peter Brukel the Elder depicts it in a state of disrepair. The next echo of Babel will be Nebuchadnezzar's, quote, Babylon the Great, unquote, which will also crumble into the dust, only to rise again in the future as the Babylon of the end times. The spirit of Babel is fueled by society's emphasis on autonomy. In past times, success was seen as having received the providence of God. In his writings about the American Revolutionary struggle, George Washington repeatedly referred to the providence of God. The implication of that is that if they had failed, then it must be accepted as God's will that they would fail. When success becomes solely our responsibility, then there's no way to see that the, quote, limits, unquote, placed on us are according to God's will. Therefore, we can never be content. 
favorite life verse of mine is, is Philippians 4, 11, 12, where Paul says, not that I speak in respect to a lack, for I have learned uh, in whatever state I am to be content in it. I know how to be humbled, and I know also how to abound. In everything and in all times, I have learned the secret, both to be filled and to be hungry, both to be abound and to be in need. So in which court do you want to be tried? Do you want to be judged by God in a court grounded in grace? Or do you want to be judged by the court of public opinion, uh, which is cold, hard, and fickle in its attitude? Or as Abraham Lincoln said, public opinion in this country is everything. But God wants to be our everything instead. And then this Tim, Tim, Tim Keller quote, both the traditional and modern selves are inherently insecure. They can never be either fully at peace or bold enough to venture everything for the good and right. They are always in danger of dissolution, being so conditioned by what others think and say of you. It is so true. My take is the fundamental question of identity. Do we want to be known by what we have made or by what God has ordained us to be? Do we want to strive to elevate our own image or find peace and meaning in being made in God's image? And then Waka talks about spectacles uh, demonstrate the, the might, authority, and greatness, or the name, of the regime. For Augustine, it was Roman spectacles such as... Uh, uh, gladiators and uh, chariot racing. And today uh, we have our own forms of uh, political spectacles as shown. A good spectacle can distract the people from what is really wrong with culture. Uh, Guacan refers to this guy DeBoard's book, uh, Society of the Spectacle. A society of the spectacle uh, is a society in which relations between people are mediated by images. In other words, we don't engage with life directly, but live through a series of representations. This is certainly true in our electronic lives today. Because we have replaced face-to-face uh, uh, -face, uh, dialogue with electronic forms, <laughs> including what I'm doing right now, which uh, the, um, um, but think about it, you know, which is more satisfying, uh, seeing someone's face or seeing an emoji of a face? And why were emojis invented? They were invented because words can't fully express emotions. They, words can be misinterpreted. I could say something sarcastic in a, in a fun loving way, but, but if it's in an email, uh, you may not understand it, but if I follow it with a smiley face, then you, you'll know that I'm poking some fun or uh, pulling your leg as opposed to uh, insulting you. Images can shape people's lives as effectively as prison bars, but these images deaden people to the reality beyond them. So I can quote, and Guy DeBoer said, the spectacle is, is the bad dream of a modern society in chains and ultimately expresses nothing more than its wish for sleep. The spectacle is the guardian of that sleep, 
Well, sleep refers to what? Um, I don't think this is totally clear, but I, I think it, 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 it may refer to like a numbness or a delusion, uh, a failure to see the truth. Uh, basically, it, when we're asleep, we're in darkness um, and we don't, we're not aware of what's really happening. So how to resist the society of the spectacle? And here uh, well, I can use this, what I believe is a French term, uh, detournment. Um, it's not by direct attack, but by subverting uh, the spectacle in a way that shows that its opposite is better. This is what God does in Genesis 11. The subversive counter to Babel, the gate of the gods, uh, becomes Babel, a homonym for Hebrew word for confusion. What Watkin calls bait for the clods. Love that. The final uh, counter spectacle will come with the cross of Christ. Paul used this tactic in Acts when he subverted the Greek worship of an unknown, of a statue uh, of an unknown God. So we have Babel, judgment and meaning, uh, freedom from supernatural in, in interference uh, results in two reactions. One, we're either free to sin and there is because there is no judgment, or if there's no standard for morality that transcends mankind, then how can I feel free to live? I mean, if everybody's just going to do whatever they want, um, how can I feel safe? Which will enable a tranquil life in a just society? Is it preferable to have no God, a bunch of detached gods, or an intimate, caring God who loves justice and rules in grace? So the biblical view expressed by Watkin is, quote, the judgment of God means that we do not live in a meaningless universe where what counts is not what we do, but, but whether we get caught. Uh, that kind of world uh, privileges the rich over the poor, the cunning over the honest, and fugitives over police. Psalm 139.12 says, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. Rather than resent that God is watching, we should praise him for seeing us. He loves us so much that he can't take his eyes off us. First Samuel 16, 7 says, The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. He's looking at us constantly, but as man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at our hearts. So the city of God and the city of man, especially Augustine, uh, comes down to love of God versus love of self. The rhythm of biblical narrative versus the beat of many drums. We must live in the city of man, but to do so as citizens of the city of God. In the words of Paul as Christ's ambassador, 2 Corinthians 5.20. We don't get uh, political immunity, but we get immunity from final judgment, which is even better. So the word of Babel is derivative with limited peace and love. The new Jerusalem is a new creation with unlimited love and peace. David Bentley Hart said, in the city of man, the Christian narrative of peace is violently excluded. However, the Christian 
narrative can encompass and indeed heal the city that rejects it. Only God can bring his heavenly kingdom to earth. Hebrews 11.10 For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So I think about a question this week is, if you find yourself striving for acceptance by other people, how's that working for you? If there was a way to find peace with who you really are, would you want to know? I hope so. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this uh, teaching of Babel. Help us to uh, not strive to elevate ourselves to you, but uh, uh, to be humbled, to receive your grace, um, and uh, give us uh, uh, wisdom uh, to uh, share with others uh, the freedom we have and um, being defined by you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we'd love to have your comments on YouTube, or you can email us at info at Have a blessed week.